0: To honest talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships.
1: Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host Rob McPhillips.
2: So good evening. We're here today for the art of conversation. So in the breakout rooms, we were talking about what made a conversation that made you feel connected, and what was a conversation that made you feel disconnected and uncared for. Conversation, I think, is the vehicle for the connection, it's, if we think that the ability to cooperate and collaborate is the human advantage, um, because as a species, we're not the fastest, we're not the strongest, we're not even the most adaptable, but we're the species that are able to, through communication and conversation, we're able to band together and bond together. Um, And so I think Conversation is something deeply human, and it's something um, that can make or break our ability to collaborate. So, I think really there's three key aspects to conversation. Um, there's lots of things you can talk about in terms of conversation, but I think really it's about how you come into the conversation. In, in past meetups, people who have been um, to a few will have seen where we talk about a model of what creates a, um, a good relationship from a bad relationship. And the line really is about control, that um, <clears throat> poor relationships are relationships of manipulation or control. And good relationships are where the two partners are free to be themselves. Really, the key thing is vulnerability vulnerability creates empathy, integrity creates trust. Um, presence creates compassion and um, kindness creates an atmosphere of an atmosphere where both feel free. And so for me, in the same way coming into a, a conversation is about the ability to share, the ability to really listen, the ability to say what you mean and mean what you say, the ability to be present to what the other person's saying, um, and the kindness um, for when you don't like what they're saying, when you maybe, um, or maybe someone makes an error in a conversation, how you come into the conversation. And that's probably the, the most um so, in conversations you've had that have been um, more negative, um, in conversations. So, like, who who is dating? Like on dating sites or having dates. Um, and the, the the one a lot of people talk about is um, the person who just talks about themselves the person who has their list and they want, they're like interviewing you to tick off their, their, you know, what, what's, whether you're going to match up and, and fulfill the role that they have for you. Um, Whereas when we talked before conversations that really go well are without a preset agenda, without someone trying to control it, but it's more exploratory Um, And it's more open to understanding who you are, as opposed to trying to impose what I believe on you. So there's something. um, So the second part, I think, is the dance, um, because I think there's how you come into the conversation and then there's the dance between you of how that goes. And there's something really um, that I really liked. that I, I heard from uh, Thich Nhat, I'm going to butcher his name, but Thich Nhat Nan, um, a, a Buddhist monk, and he talks about compassionate living, uh, compassionate listening. And he said the key to it was to listen with the sole purpose of helping the other person to empty. And I think so many of us come into a conversation, we come in with an agenda, we come in with, we're listening for our chance to say what we've got to say. And we, um, so we're not listening. Um, and because we're so full of what we want out of the conversation, it's full, full of what we want from it to happen, from how it's going to go, that we don't have the space to listen and we don't have the space to take in any more. And it's like the old um, proverb or or the old anecdote about um, the Buddhist monk who was like someone asked him, what's the secret to enlightenment? Um, And he said, would you like some tea? And he said, yeah. And he just poured the tea in and it was overflowing and pouring everywhere. And he said and he said, no, it's full. He said, well, so are you. He said, how can I teach you when, when you've got no, no space to take in anything else? And in the same way, in um, in a conversation, if we're so full with what we're saying, we don't have the ability to listen and take in what someone else is saying. Oscar Tromboli um, has written a book and he, his work is on deep listening. And he points out that we, on average, we talk at 125 minutes, uh, 25 words a minute. But we can listen, or, or no, we think at 900 words a minute. So often there's a pressure in a conversation that, I f- like you feel that you want to get everything out. You want to get all your points and make it all across. But what you're saying is whatever you say in any conversation, there's always going to be things unsaid. That you just can't, um, you can't bring into the conversation because your thinking is always going to outstrip the rate at which someone's speaking. So he talks about there being five five levels of listening, which is um, listening to yourself and what's going on inside you, listening to the content of what someone's saying, then it's listening to the context of what are they really talking about? Um, and then it's listening for what's unsaid and listening for meaning. And so in order to, to, to do that, you've really got to be present and be able to um, let go of what's in your head to say but be able to respond. And this is really, so I talked about um, the keys to a relationship um, are really vulnerability, integrity, presence, and kindness. Um, And Joe Hudson's um, done quite a bit of work on conversations, um, and he kind of structures conversations. And his framework is view, which is being vulnerable, impartial, having empathy, and wonder. Um, so, if you're if you have that deep listening and that presence um, and all of those kind of ingredients, so vulnerability is really about sharing who you are. Um, being in his in his words, impartial is about not having an agenda, like not making a judgment, and then empathy is trying to really feel what someone else feels um, and wonder he suggests is more a little bit deeper than curiosity um, in that you're in the moment, just trying to like, imagine like open your imagination. So the dance is really about coming in without that agenda, but coming in with presence Um, And then being able to be in the moment and like explore. So a conversation is really a space that opens up between two people where you can look at what happens. Like if, if you are really present, then the conversation shouldn't run out because there's always more layers of depth. There's more understanding. There's, there's, like, in essence, what a conversation is, is trying to understand each other. So I think about it as um, like a triangle like that and a triangle like that. And so actually, maybe it's easier if I um, if I can draw this. But so it's really about if you think of a triangle, and there's like the tip of the iceberg that you share, like people who, who who pass you in the street and maybe you say a couple of words to, they wouldn't know that about you on that tip. So it's the superficial what people can see about you, like how's your day going? Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, and then it, it deepens to where you share more and more, and so. With the people that you're really intimate with, you're going to share your inner world, like what life feels like for you, what's going on inside you, and what, how things really affect you. So that's your triangle. But then you've also, the person that you're in conversation with, there's also, they have that same triangle. Now, if you think that there's a line going across that, which means that you only see the tip of someone else's triangle and a little bit more of yours now as you um as you share someone gets to know more of yours but also in their trying to understand it in their wonder in their curiosity and in their challenging because of the the sparking of different perspectives you're going to think differently about yourself um, and so you learn from your, about yourself from conversations with others. because we experience life internally um, in how we feel it, which is one of the basic um, errors that we make in, in judgments of people is the fundamental attribution error that we judge ourselves differently from other people because we, we see ourselves internally, We feel what we feel, whereas externally we only see other people. Okay, so that's quite a lot um, uh, on the the content of conversations, but I think conversations are something that we have to experience. So um, what we'll do is we're going to go into breakout rooms. Um, So for 10 minutes, five minutes each. But just going back to that um, quote about compassionate living, uh, compassionate listening from Um, and he said, remember the gist of what he said was to listen with the sole purpose of helping someone to empty themselves. So all of us have a head field of stuff, stuff that's gone on in the day, stuff that we're worried about, stuff we're thinking about. Um, so, five minutes to be with someone, like in just being present, being curious about how does that feel, being vulnerable enough to share how we feel, what's going on for us. Um, having the empathy to try and understand how must that feel like? Because all of us, we can have different events and we'll feel them differently. So there's always something interesting in knowing how someone else is responding, how someone else is going, like how their life is going, but also how they're it's affecting them. Um, okay. So, five minutes just really to empty what's on your mind. Um, how are you feeling about that? And um, what do you need to empty in order to have an open, vulnerable and like really be alive in a conversation?
3: I'm not sure. Um, when you say to empty. Mm, mm. So,
2: um okay if you were to write stream of consciousness what's on your head whatever would come out that's your conversation this is what's on my mind this is what's got my because as soon as you say something then that's gone and then there's something else and then there's something else um and the idea is to try and empty your mind in five minutes
3: Ha, that's impossible. <laughs> I've got too much. <laughs> My mind is... Uh. Well, the bad news is
2: you're. In a, I've currently got you in a group of three. Who feels that they can empty their mind really quickly? Yeah,
1: me too. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I can make her. Okay,
2: I'm going to swap you around. Um
0: Just accepted,
4: you know. Sandra,
3: are you? <laughs>
2: Justice. <laughs> so the big question is did Sandra empty her head
4: almost almost was closer then she actually stopped almost for 10 seconds to thinking wow i actually never think about that so far so you know we managed to get there and and how stressed are you janos nothing i actually enjoyed to see it that way i think she had as well okay well, you know that? i'm
3: good at i'm good at summarizing okay rob i i, I'm, I, I summarized yeah
2: <laughs> um how does it feel actually,
3: actually brought some logic in terms of you know you think of things and it's all um you think of them but it's all on a plate but in a sense having to do that i developed three streams of um of reality you know one stream was okay the present situation in other words Um, rationalizing marriage and all of the things that go along with marriage. So there's lots of subs underneath that heading and that stream. And then the next stream is developing um, a relationship under what circumstances, how that will work, what, blah, blah, all of those various things. Then the other stream is how to move career-wise, having learned the lessons of um, Mixing marriage and career in the past, how wanting to give priority to a relationship, how to balance that with career going forward, and the, the, the you know the realities of of of, of that, um, and then of course added to that. Not as important or not as big, but it's where will I live out the rest of my days? (laughs) Okay, so I think I managed to get major headings. So in summary, those streams and it's a matter of how much energy one gives to how one rationalizes and all of the various things that Come on each of those. Come in each of those those streams. So it's that really.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So see, yeah.
2: Mm. I I think it's a little bit like um, journaling. If you have to write something down, um, you once it's kind of out, then or or if you have to write an article or something like you, there's some kind of structure to it, and you have to use a framework like chronology of before, uh, present, after, or um, some other kind of, of way of structuring it. And that just helps um, order your thoughts. And, and um, one of the traps that we all can get into is we all uh, like make everything bigger in our head and we're the only one it only ever happens to. Um, and when we actually can share that, other people can see it and they have something this this certain universals that we all have.
5: It's funny that it make it sort of made me a wee bit nervous. I didn't actually get into mine too much because um, the time ran out, but it made me a bit nervous actually. So I can I love to dig deep with people. And I think I love to dig deep with them. But then when it comes back to me it's like, Oh <laughs> But I don't I mean I I, I think I'm pretty vulnerable with, with people generally. But yeah, it's yeah, I was quite nervous actually.
2: Mm. I I always ask people really difficult questions. um, And then when they say, and what about you? I go, oh, that's a a tough question.
5: No, 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 I'm the question. I'm the question. You carry on. (laughs) Ask another question.
2: (laughs) Um, Veronique. Yes, I mean, a
1: little bit like Nicole. I mean, I'm too conscious of the time. I'm very conscious of the time when I'm speaking, even when I'm speaking, because I like it to be kind of balanced. And uh, and so uh, I want to get as much as possible. Like you said earlier, you want to get everything in. And um, so it's not relaxed. It's not really relaxed. Unless it's a very spontaneous kind of like what you're doing now raise your hand, start talking, you know, you've had a bit of time to think. But when you're having a conversation, you're, you're quite conscious of the other person. And also, like I was saying in my little conversations, that I've become a little bit of a warrior because before I used to be such a good listener because I I love to connect. And uh, and now I feel very irritated if somebody just wants to talk about themselves and they have no interest in me. I actually want to tell the conversation now. I've become like this. I, I I used to be over the top the other way before. And then I realized that the people were selfish and they were just um, had an agenda just to, you know, empty, 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 and uh, and I decided, well, empty by yourself, you know, <laughs> don't use my energy anymore. I'm just not interested. But you know, places like this is just wonderful because everybody is listening. If somebody listens, I can be there forever. But most people I find, not even just in conversation, in places, everything is very commercial. It's, you know, time and and that's, and I'm projecting, maybe I'm projecting, but that's the kind of experience I've had. And Maybe it's in my head, it's in my mind, and now I'm manifesting this. It's possible as well. You know, I'm thinking about all these things, but this is is how I feel about conversation. So even now, I'm really happy to express, and I was talking about someone recently that, you know, I've joined this group and it's just so nice because when I'm expressing, I'm learning so much about myself, like you were saying earlier. And um, but I'm still very conscious, you know, I've got to stop talking now because everybody has a chance. So I don't know how to deal with that. And it's just not in conversation. I visited a friend recently. And again, I'm just too conscious about other people. I'm not comfortable with myself fully. I don't know how to to deal with that. That
2: brings me quite neatly because we've only covered two of the three things so far, haven't we? Um, And... So, yeah, that brings me to the third part, which I think is ingredients.
4: Yeah, now when Veronique say that, it's actually trigger me something. We all have in that stage, Veronique. We all have in that stage when we want to share too much, but it's kind of a journey. We all have to go through that in order to get our tank a little bit empty or see the lesson behind in order to improve yourself. You will have at the next level, then you will be able to listen and see that's how is the people actually acting, and that's normal. We all get to that level sometimes, and you will have after the next level, then you don't even need to listen people. You can already see their auras, their behavior, and you can easier communicate with them with the silent power. Honestly, when you reach that level. When you got the silent power, wow. You don't need to say a word. You just look at another person's eyes, and you know what will happen. That's a real level of the connections.
2: Thank you for that. That reminds me of something. (coughs) Okay. Um, okay, so one of the things of conversations is um, so we talked the first the first thing is how you turn up. The second is the dance. but the third is ingredients. So like a, you, like a meal, you can make a dinner. Um, and the quality of the dinner is going to depend on the ingredients, um, and it's going to depend on the ingredients like the quality of the ingredients, the quantity of the ingredients, the variety, um, and then how you put them together. What I've got here, so while you're having the conversation, I and it took me about ten minutes to to be able to draw that level of two triangles. So um, what we've got here is where I talked about the triangles, it's kind of like you and the triangles of them. Um, and I'm um, overlaying on this Dunbar's numbers. So, Dunbar, um, Dunbar's numbers are the idea of how much we can, um, um, how much we can, how many people we can connect with. Um, so, biologically, we're built um, as cavemen. Um, so, we, we had a very small circle. Uh, and for most of our civilization, we've lived in villages of about 150. So Dunbar um, did some research and he found that people could cope with about five really intimate relationships. So lovers, family, really close friends, about 15 to 25 really close friendships, Um, About 150 people, we had sort of kind of meaningful relationships. So this would be people, friends, people we we see at work, um, acquaintances, people we come across regularly. Um, And then we'd recognize about up to about 1,500 people. So I was thinking about this and in terms of conversation. And conversations can be, I don't know about you, but for me, if I haven't really thought something through, I start thinking of something else um, and it becomes disjointed. Where, um, and so many of the things that we have in common conversations, for example, if we're dating, which is really where I, I thought this up, is dating is about a process of moving from stranger to intimate. And so the way that we do that is by sharing more and more so you get some, it's by um, self-disclosure. What really bonds humans is self-disclosure. So like if, if you first meet someone like on a dating app or whatever, um, people aren't, don't give you so much attention. Um, they're not that interested because they don't know you. You don't mean anything to them. So I think the ability to wrap up, like give a taste of who you are in 30 seconds is the way that you build connection with someone, whether it's on online dating or whether it's uh, speed dating or whatever, but being able to encapsulate something deep and true about who you are in 30 seconds is a way of them getting a taste of, are you someone who they'd be interested in finding out more um, and going any deeper? People that you recognize will give you a little bit more time and so you've got maybe three minutes. People like friends, you can probably have a half-hour conversation. Um, and then people you're really intimate with, you're going to go deeper and it's going to be a three-hour conversation. So in essence, these are really the same, can be the same topic, but it's the level of depth and the level of um, the level of conversation and how much you're going to share of yourself that's involved in that. Um, so I've been reading quite a bit on, on conversations, and a lot of it was all the same stuff, is basically come in, listen. and um, um, But the what I think was the, the best book, in, in other words, the, the book that, I mean, the way we write best is the kind of thing that we would do. Um and that was a good talk by Daniel Stillman. Um, and I'm just going to share with you um, this. He has a um, conversation operating system canvas. and so he he comes from a design background and he talks so he's talking about designing conversations. he talks about the ingredient like no he doesn't talk about ingredients, he talks about, Um, what are the dynamics within a conversation? And since the people, the diversity, like who's involved, he talks about the invitation, initiation, how did the conversation start? What's the power dynamics and the permission? So if it's a boss and employee, if it's, um, you know, subordinate or if it's um, equals, it's going to change the dynamics of the conversation. The ability to be silent the ability to, of how you take turns, um, like how you have the conversation, because we we have conversations on Zoom, we have conversations in real life, we have conversations over email. So all of that, all of those environmental factors affect um, the conversation. Like I've seen, um, if you look at social media channels, Twitter is, people talk about that being like the water cooler where people will just chat quickly. Um, Facebook is like friends. Um, Instagram is um, more visual, like more kind of a little bit more superficial or or visual, Um, and LinkedIn is more professional talk. Um, So, and even like if you have a conversation, so even like if you're on a date, whether you're in a cinema or a bowling alley or a romantic restaurant, is going to change the dynamics of the conversation. So then there's uh, the cadence and the rhythm of like, to be really there for someone to be curious to be open is to have a really slow rhythm and cadence is to really slow things down and zoom in on how someone's feeling. But sometimes we just want to cover a lot of ground. And it's more about speeding it up and, and looking at the big picture. So then he's talking about threading a narrative, like these are like the frames that we use like before, during, after, those kind of things, goals and agreements, um, like agendas that people come in, um, and the ability to repair errors. So what this really depends on is really knowing yourself, because in order to relate to another person, you need to have a deep understanding of yourself. Um, So knowing what you're about. And so one of the ways of finding out about yourself is from conversation, but also the depth to which you know yourself is going to determine the depth that you can go to in the conversation. Um, And so all of that, goes back to the vulnerability it goes back to the integrity the wonder um, and the presence and then um in terms of uh, ingredients there's also um oh, Fyodor zeldins um created uh he's a i think he's a historian professor at oxford university and he realized that perspectives are really what matter and sharing perspectives um, can open people's minds. Um, and so he created his, he created the Oxford Muse, which was giving people a menu of conversation so that they would have like a dinner menu. Um, and while they have dinner, they'd be paired with someone and have a um, conversation menu as well. How a conversation goes is how, what you bring to it the presence that you, like your awareness in the conversation, like your ability to dance, and also what you can bring in terms of what's fresh to the conversation. So even within a relationship, sometimes couples can get stale because they're not bringing anything new. And so a couple that are too much in each other's pocket and maybe don't have any independence, they don't have any anything to introduce new into the relationship. Okay, so does that make sense? Or any questions, any thoughts, comments?
0: I have
4: something about that, actually, Rob. Um, It's last year, I had a new operation manager and she told me like, "Oh, if you don't know what you want, how you want me to know what you want? And that's so bloody true. I didn't know exactly I want to be in the higher position. So I show for her after. I did her action plan and actually I was more clear. I had more clear visions, but I always thought I thought about. But as soon as when I got written down, actually start doing action behind, sometimes we just all the time thinking about in our mind about these things. As soon as when you're writing down, you actually start manifesting. That's how our mind working, because it's see our memories, our muscles, if that's written. I have to do it. That's no more excuses. That's no more anymore like, oh, yeah, I will be if, if, if will be. So I start doing actions. And guess what? Since that time, I'm not just respecting myself more, they do respecting me more, because I'm respecting myself. And so often we're not respecting ourselves, and that's why we can't communicate that to other people. Because I learn on that stage, my plate is full. When I say for you, yes, I have to say for myself, no. So guess what? What I get from this as well? If something is good for me, great. So I'm not pleasing any more people. Look, you need to offer something as well for me. If you want something from me, my time, my energy, you need to give me something but actually it's benefit for me as well. And that's when I my growth starts more. That's when I start understanding myself more. Before, I was just listening to their things and I was creating their life, but actually I wasn't any more creator of my life because I was always trying to solve their problems. I was always trying to extinguish their problems. So, like, I was extinguisher manager, you know? Mm. What's happened... People all the time, they find another problem and another problem and another problem. And I realize, fuck me, you're wasting my time and my energy. It's your problem if you got the problem with me, not mine. I'm
2: interested, who else has had a conversation that's really changed? Like in the same way Janos was talking about, that there was a change in that challenge um, that brought clarity. Um, did you want to share, Veronique?
1: Since I found out about my boundaries, which was a few months ago only, I, I learned about boundaries, which I never knew of. And then I just put them into practice. <clears throat> and that came big time in conversation. And I was <clears throat> observing everything that what made me feel the other person. <clears throat> and as soon as I didn't like this feeling about what they were saying, what they were trying to, for me to do, or just for me to just hear them. And so for them to take my energy, I just completely kept it. And I was really, really strong with it. And yes, I I seem to have changed from that. I don't know, but I speak differently now than I did a few months ago, for sure. Even a few weeks ago, actually. So yeah, for sure.
0: Thank you. Carl. So I think... uh, one conversation that revolutionised my life was as, um, at the very end of my teens at 19. I wasn't really sure what to do with my life, um, education hadn't quite gone the way that I'd thought, so I sort of pl- planned to join the military and essentially kill myself or other people. Um, I was fortunate enough that my next door neighbour was actually RAF, and he sat me down and he said, no, 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 this is not what you think. This is what happens. And also he would become unwell. And yet you think like war heroes get taken care of and all. No, he was left sick. Uh, Gulf War syndrome, which eventually he did get payback for, but was denied initially. And I just thought, wow, I had no idea. I just thought I was going to go out there and be a brave little soldier and I'd be commended and I'd be looked after and everybody would say, thank you for your service. And, you know, but So he kind of saved me from that. And he also taught me a few things about uh, naturopathy and uh, the state of uh, food politics and um, some geopolitics and just that one kind act. And bearing in mind, I was 19 years old and I like to collect records. So I wasn't the most quiet neighbor you could imagine. That that act of kindness changed my life forever. And... um, I still haven't turned down the music yet. So yeah, really changed things. Um, so, so that
2: really um, what comes to mind when Janos was, was sharing that and um, is the idea that sometimes conversations are about challenge and about opening us up to possibility, because sometimes we, this is one of the reasons why it's it's so important to be open in conversation because If we don't, like, if we go in, we like what humans tend to do is we have this idea of what we want. Um, and we're like, this is this is it. Um, but actually, if you look at most people who've achieved what they want, it was never a straight line, and what they originally thought they wanted was never what they actually got. Like, what. If they'd have got what they really wanted originally, it would have been lesser than what they had because you evolve through the challenge. So there's a challenge, and then there's um, the focusing of making the decision. So there's like opening up to, decision, to opportunities, and then there's closing and focusing to that. And then there's the acceptance of who you are, which enables you to move forward. Okay, so, um, so uh, there's something. Um, ah, um, okay. and again in the minute moment. Uh, Sandra, uh,
3: there's the people. Yes, there are important conversations which tend to sometimes uh, create. A drastic change in your life, oftentimes based on positive thoughts that you that are been have been imparted to you. However, I the things that are coming to my mind now are the negative conversations or the negative talks, not even conversations so much as being talked to, um, that created my backbone by giving me the result to say, no, damn it, after all, I don't believe in that. I don't agree, and I'm not going to do that. And um, so uh, I think that people trying to put you in a box or trying to predefine, you know, who you should be or ought to be or what you sh- you can't be can also spur you on to actually doing the opposite, you know. Um oh, you should be a lady doing this and blah, blah, blah. You should be a nice, you know, whatever, find a nice office job, do that, blah, 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 blah. You're breaking all the boundaries, you're out with all of these fellows out to do this rumbunctious whatever, you know, what kind of a career can you have, blah, 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 blah. Oh, you shouldn't be seen with these kinds of people because they're the wrong sort. You mustn't talk to those people, blah, 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 blah. So in other words, those negative um, things that narrow your world and you have to make the... um Decision that no, my world will not be circumscribed by these narrow definitions of who you can be and ought to be. So, I think um, there is some positive that can be um, taken from when people pile all kind of negative crap on top of your head as well. <laughs> you decide not to not to imbibe that.
2: So, so what happened? It was like you, they painted the picture that you really didn't want or?
3: Yeah, I just fought against everything that they prescribed that I should be because all of that, con- I mean, apart from my girls' school when I was there and ladies ought to behave like that. I had no choice. You'd get detention if you didn't behave properly, you know. Ladies had to laugh in a certain way. Your skirt had to be a certain length. Oh, you had to behave. and Oh, yes. And oh, the gentlemen had to disappear down the hill before you dared come Comes through the front door but nonetheless forget all of that but it, it's that kind of um where you get mixed messages also and you have to find a way to decide what message is actually right for you because here I would have a family of of women and men who would be telling me, you cannot do this. You cannot do that. You are, you know, the family, the family, oh, the reputation the this and whatever, and you are not this, and you cannot be seen to be doing that. And I am saying, but that's not in my head. I'm saying, but that's not right. Mm-hmm. Those things are not right. So I am not going to, I'm not going to do that because I know it's not right. It's based on prejudice. It's based on old thinking about your role. I remember once my mother said to me, and the Bible says the man is the head of the... I'm like, F that. (laughs) Damn it, after all, no way. No, that's not... You know, I was just like, What? And, and, and here she's telling me that, but at the same time, she was the one who had the bank book, you know, and the bank accounts and whatever, and 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 doing those kinds of things. And everything was about um, the beliefs of her family. So she was running things, but at the same time telling me that I must be subservient, you, you know, that, that kind of mixed message. And I'm saying, hell no. <laughs> it's not happening because I don't what I see from all of my family is not what you're telling me, and so I'm going to do what I see you doing, which is to be dominant, to know yourself, and to call the shots as you see. Don't tell me to be subservient. <laughs> so that's yeah, yeah, I'm rambling, but that's it really. Okay, thank you. Um, Janos,
4: yeah. Now, Sandra, how she said all this, it's actually remind me last year when I came across with Vishen Lakhiani, who was saying the bullshit rules, you know, like, really, he started asking the parents, why actually, we as the religion, we're not allowed to eat beef. And the mother said, go out and search the answer for yourself. She didn't give the answer. And that's the real challenge. That's when we do teaching somebody very well that's when we support him. And you know what I learned with that is the self-realizations We do taking action behind our own self-talk because Sandra, we're all having self-talk that's not other thing to us. We're creating that self-talk inside We're self-sabotaging ourselves inside. We're not letting ourselves to do the things. We're not letting to be ourselves. Because we think what the others think. Guess what? I don't give a shit about. You know what my mom teach me? That's like opinion. Like everybody do having. Like an asshole. Just sometimes the wind coming through that. Nothing else. It's no, no, nothing like a foundation behind. It's just a kind of talk from somebody to somebody to somebody. Never been really true. Or maybe just simply not fit for you. You know, we all want to be unique. What we do to be unique, usually we do to be average because that's what we do like the average people. If I want to be unique, I do that one percent what nobody else do, not like the nine ten percent will do in that moment because that's make you unique when you do stand against the standards if you want to be unique, do something how to be unique, not opposite like everybody else do
2: okay, so just to summarize what we've covered today we we talked about the three aspects of conversation being how you come to the conversation um, in terms of being vulnerable being present being um, having integrity um, being impartial having wonder or curiosity um, and kindness we talked about the dance, um, and particularly the listening um, of listening to allow someone to empty themselves um, of listening, the five levels of listening, listening to yourself, but then listening to content, context, um, what's unsaid, and the meaning and the ingredients. Um, the amount that we're willing to share, um, the honesty that we have, um, and helping each other explore what is it like from your perspective. And all of that presupposes that we let go of the judgment um, that has been spoken of, that Sandra talked about, there was this judgment that wasn't true. Um, And when someone says something that you know they're not living up to, we all have a response to that. When, when there's a standard that's ascribed to us that we know isn't, you know, really true or doesn't hold up, doesn't have the foundation, um, we're not really going to respond to that. So, um, okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to go and break rooms for another conversation. Um. But the first 30 seconds is non-verbal conversation. So this is, uh, I think Janos mentioned about eye contact. Um, So to just hold eye contact for 30 seconds with another person. So if everyone can, when we go in the breakout rooms, if everyone can, if possible, um, be on video. 30 seconds to hold um, eye contact to be present and just recognize what you feel um, and what happens. So after 30 seconds okay, right that's all we'll do is we'll do eye contact and then we'll come back. So Okay, Um, so there's no – let me just adjust. Um, So there's no need for conversation. You're just present, purely present, trying to pick up from the other person what they feel, recognizing what you feel. Okay? Okay.
1: Sorry, I can't be on camera. Uh, I can't turn my camera on, but I can observe
2: yeah. if you want. Yeah, no worries. I've just adjusted so that you're going to be in a room. Um It's free. Yeah. So, but yeah, so you just, if you play, play the part, you, you, there's still something for you um, in that's how does awesome. that feel? Thank you. Okay. Um, and we'll be back in. So, okay. So we're going to, be, yeah, so that's it. The whole time you're there and then I'll bring you straight back. So don't click the thing to come back early, just stay in, in there. How was that?
5: Much more intense than I would have thought it would have. Yeah, a
1: bit eerie, a bit
5: eerie it was. <laughs> I wonderful, isn't it? <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, what did that, there's some some science about is it four minutes? It's like four. Um so there's um was it 30, 32 questions or something to fall in love to? And one of the things they suggest is four minutes um, just staring into each other's eyes um, just because of the vulnerability um, that creates. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite threatening, isn't it? Um, and people move to, to try and Stop the silence!
5: I don't think I
1: stopped. <laughs> um, I, 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 thought I was captivated. I, I couldn't get enough of looking. Nancy, see, I've spoken to Nance before, but she, she didn't show her camera. When I saw her face, I was in awe. Then. I didn't have my glasses on because I wanted her to see my eyes. So the, then I couldn't really see her. So I put my glasses on and it was completely different. Then I looked at myself to see how I would feel about myself. I had no interest in myself. I, I, and each time she smiled, my heart lifted. And then I, El, iPhone Ellen was also on the call. So I was looking at iPhone Ellen just to see how I felt. <laughs> and actually, she was. I, I could feel her present, but it was no way as powerful as looking at... No. really amazing <laughs> I remember doing this activity um, in Inner Space in Manchester and I got partnered with a lady and she was looking at me in the right, and she burst out crying halfway through so I was hugging her in the end it was like <laughs> it was quite emotional for her
2: yeah yeah, it's 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 something that you don't normally do. And, and we all, we have, like Nicole said about fidget, we have these displacement things that we, um, and sometimes we do that with conversation, that we, a conversation gets too intense. And so we'll throw something else or we, we'll deflect so that we don't have to feel that. Okay. Um, so, Now we'll try with with, with a conversation, so same thing, but this time um, we're going to use one of the Oxford Muse questions, is do you find it easier to forgive or forget? Okay, so I'm going to open up the breakout rooms um, and... Yeah. So just so th- that's the starting point. We're bringing bringing all the all the things of being vulnerable, of being impartial, of having integrity, present. Um, all of those things um, make the conversation one of of dance, uh, a dance between you <coughs> and. Um, uh, let me. We'll see if it work with five. So we have got a new a new setup. Um, okay. So the question is, do you find it easier to forgive or forget? That's the starting point. You can go wherever you want.
5: I think we are pretty much on the same page, Sandra and I, with, um, how we see things. Um, you know what? I've actually forgotten what the actual original question was. My head, my head's just gone blank. <laughs> what was it? For, for it was forgive what we
2: were forget- for next week.
5: Uh-huh. Well, that one sorted, mate. <laughs> um, forgive all... Forget. Yeah, I think it's the forgetting bit that we were sort of a bit puzzled about and the definition that people will hold of that. Um, and the forgiving bit, actually. Because I think that to forgive someone... Um, I think I feel like the old definition and possibly came from religion from, from religion um, it's kind of like if someone does you wrong, letting them off the hook type thing. And it's more to alleviate and liberate them than anything. But for me, I sort of I feel it's much more about not a selfish thing, but if I can, if I can liberate. What am I trying to say? but trying to resolve the situation for within myself as well. And if they're prepared to meet me on a level of respect and boundaries going forward, we can go forward. If not, then, you know, it's kind of like a lesson that they need to learn as well. And I'm, I'm not being particularly articulate there, but
2: it's fine. Mm. Right. Yeah, so, no, no in, in in the conversation I was having, was um, it made me think of... How my understanding of forgiveness evolved from, um, yeah, that kind of religious idea where I grew up in a Catholic upbringing thinking that Jesus was a do-gooder. Um, it was like I would do good for everyone else. And, and it, it just seemed like a weak, um, sort of submissive type of thing to growing up um i I grew up in an all-boys school so if you have all boys it's all about fighting and status of like you can't let up um because if you're the one forgiving and whatever that's where like the the christian thing seems weak because people will take advantage and so part of that was you know like watching gangster films and things where you couldn't forgive because if you forgive it's a sign of weakness where people will take advantage and you have to, there has to be a consequence to an action. To then the kind of things um, of, of really recognizing that forgiveness is for yourself. Um, because you can, like, if, if someone's done something, um, like, there's the old uh, Buddhist monk thing of um, walking across a water um, and someone says, you, uh, one monk says to the other, you know, like, oh, you did this and you did this. And he said, yeah, but I did this ro- like over here um, and I let it go and you're still carrying it. Um, and then this, I can't remember the other, like the proverb of like you poison yourself by the thought of not forgiving. Um, and even if we look from a biological perspective, it's you that has the cortisol running through your system. It's you that incurs the damage from not forgiving. Um, so, yeah, so, so there's kind of layers of, I think, in conversation, you can go back from what, what the origins and the linearness of your thinking has been. So, yeah, so, um, so thank you for that. Anyone else?
4: For me, definitely, the forgiveness, it's more about the inner calmness. It's more for myself. Feel it after it's okay to be a human being, but that's not okay to continuously doing that. So that's more like a lesson. Don't do it that again. And i telling the people, look, I might didn't know that's my boundary, but that's the line this time I'm telling you. That's okay. You did it first time if you're continuously doing that i remove you from my life that's simple and it's more for my self-respect for my inner calmness to keep it that up i do it rather than to saying the other one is bad because there is no good and badness in the life it's just different perspective mm. thank you oh, so- huh?
2: oh
1: sorry. Sorry, sorry
2: uh vernie and then sandra
1: for my own salvation, but uh, it's also after after um, I realized from listening to Onopono that because we create all the situation, the only way that I can ask for forgiveness, it's really because I've caused the harm myself. I've attracted that experience, and I'm actually sorry that I've made them through. I've, I've made them go through that in order to hurt me and they are hurting themselves. So I'm asking them to forgive me because I've caused them the discomfort of giving me that lesson. But um, honestly, I, I don't forgive very easily and I have to ask Jesus to help me and to do it for me most of the time because I realize that I'm still triggered I, I haven't really forgiven, even though I, I, I try really, really hard. It's very difficult to really forgive. I mean, I, I make it easier that way because I take responsibility and I say, "Well, so then it's easier for me to ask." But I know that they come around again and they trigger me again, so I've not definitely not forgiven them. So then, when I, I was listening to the Jesus something, uh, he, you know, He does say, "If you can't do it, ask me to to do it," and so I I I I ask Him, and I'm more relieved that way.
3: Thank you. Um, Sandra and then Carl. Uh, the issue of forgetting. Um, I think that we are the sum of our experiences. And to say that something that is of such um, critical importance and of such major impact in your life that you could forget. To me, it sounds like selective amnesia and doing yourself a disservice because you are the sum total of your experiences. And that is an experience that will inform and help help you to define your, your ongoing journey in life. And so, forgetting to me is not, it should not even be a part of that conversation. It really should be about forgiveness, resolution, um, and how to um, build, rebuild. Um, Forgetting is, I think, something that is not, um, it's not helpful to suggest that we should forget. Because it's
2: all part and parcel of who we are. Um, okay. Um, so, okay. So, okay, so there's the question. But then, then um, so like there's a lot to, to explore in that. And we talked about um, in our conversation, we talked about forgiving and, um, and forgetting and, and, and the dynamics. But what I'm interested in as well is, in that question, what was it like to have that conversation where you you got to explore with someone?
3: Actually, it was interesting because I think Nicole and I were moving along the same pathway, so we, there wasn't a conflict. In other words, we didn't have to stop to try to rationalise why we were saying what we were saying. Um, we could... Um, we 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 found ourselves nodding our heads in agreement and figuring out, yeah, yes, you can see it. Uh we, and adding different things because when Nicole was talking about all going back to religion, uh, you know, the whole concept of of, of forgiveness. Um yeah, and uh it's true. I agree with I, I agree with her. Um and I think It's different when you've had some experiences that have really shattered you uh, to draw on in terms of how you've dealt with it. Because I was explaining to her that um, I don't hate my husband. I can't forget the things that he's done. uh, And I can't also ignore that there are issues that I am... partially responsible for in certain, you know, respects. So I'm not taking myself out of it. But nonetheless, I know that for myself, I need to um, be able to see him, which I can, because I have resolved it. I can see him and have no sense of anger. And I wish him well. And if that's forgiveness, then that's forgiveness because it means that, as Janos said, it's about you. It's about the internal sense of self and getting back to a sense of equilibrium balance about in terms of my feelings. And I think that I am at that point where I can see, I can talk to him. I, I've had, you know, hello, blah, 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 and we talk about something. Um without me having any kind of anger. But I can't, but I'll never forget it because it informs it my way forward.
2: Mm. Yeah. Um. In terms of, so your ag- agreement was, your, your conversation was very cordial and along the same lines. So I think there's some c- conversation because we, talking about conversations. So the, like the matter of the conversation rather than the the details of it. And I'm interested in, um, so we've had some instances where there's been challenge, which is open to your for, And then your conversation was in agreement, which was that give you, does it make, give you more conviction? Does it give you more confidence? And is there a danger in in a conversation where you agree with someone, you know, like groupthink, where as in bad decisions are made by groups who who are too similar, um, with a lack of uh, um, diversity of like everything um, and diversity no. of opinion. So, I'm just wondering, in, in your instance there of your conversation, um, is it a confidence which gives you the conviction to move on? Or is there a danger of it being, you know, some friends? Just yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know if you have any any thoughts on on like how that felt.
3: I think because of the time frame, um, we can't really say because one needs to explore it a little bit in in, in more detail. Because, for example, when you start talking about the um in, the influence of the old religious texts and way of being and what you were taught when you were, and you start to unpick that. Um, as you go forward in life, there are other influences that also help to, um, and as you're saying, group thing, you know, f- friends, family pressure, you know, you, you know, for the sake of the marriage, you need to forgive and move on and those kinds of things. Um, I think those would kind of come out, As you have more of a conversation, and it it might be that um, I could probably say no on on a particular point. No, I don't agree with you there because of my experience here. So there is a possibility for more diverse um, inputs to become a part of the conversation. But in general, because we're talking in generalities, generalities at this point, we are in agreement. We see it in a similar way. But I think there would be nuances based on our individual experiences that would come to the fore. And uh, I think we are... I I am not averse to hearing somebody else's experiences because it... It, 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 it enriches the, 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 the conversation or the views that you can have about a, a particular subject. So, you know. Mm. And, I va- and I value experience. If, you, if you're talking from an experience that you have, then it's no less valid than mine. So put it on the table.
2: Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh,
0: Carl. Carl. Well, that was interesting to hear Sandra talk about, um, you know, that we shouldn't forget. And Rob, you were talking about mafia films. And one of their key phrases, isn't it, is forget about it. You know, um, and I, I, I think that's quite a, a powerful thing. Um, what I'd learned from the discussion earlier was that you, you can forgive, which means allowance, saying, okay, it's okay that you did that. But um forgetting, I guess that's a process of having enough reason or justification. So like Sandra was saying, in marriage there was oh, for the sake of the marriage. And sometimes it can be for the sake of family. Okay, look, I'll I'll um forget it, but I won't forgive even. But the discussion I had in the breakout room was, well, is that real? Is that actually genuine? Um I think if, if we go back to when we were having uh, eye contact in private earlier, it's there's something that happens there, some level of connection, something triggers, something goes off, something stirs and changes in you. And I think that when we have conflict or reason not to forgive, this is all intellectualized. In, in terms of how we framed it, how we've set this up, how we've created this boundary and barrier, and yet really, you know, our essence, we want to connect and we enjoy connectivity and love and getting along. So, so what did Sandra say earlier? She said something, and it just made me realise that not dealing with things is a form of forgetting, willful ignorance, not not actually communicating it and getting to the, that thing. And even if you have that conversation, it is still that ability to talk it and discuss it, not lose your temper, not take a step up or get frustrated because the other person not seeing it your way. Um, I think even in some recent dynamics, I've discovered people that I feel that have, ran from situations instead of humanely talking about things um, and that is a lack of capacity Um, so what am I getting at just as I drop the mic because I don't want to be on it for ages which is that when we decide not to forgive it's emotionally driven you know That's, that's what it boils down to and how we perceive this will hurt or affect us in some way, whereas even if you don't decide to be friends, lovers, business partners, um, gym buddies, whatever it may be, that that discussion can still happen, and then there's understanding for the next time. But when we run or we set up barriers and we build up our walls, we don't get anywhere and we don't grow as people. We don't learn um, uh, until we do. So it just depends really when we talk about relationships it's not just about romantic ones. It's about every type of relationship. And uh, yeah, that's about it.
2: Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think that's, I, I think we talk a lot about romantic relationships, but really the same dynamics relationship. It's a bit relationships or connection is really fractal in that we have a connection with life, we have a connection with ourselves, we have a connection with others. Um, and then this societal, um, like wars, um, and conflict at like a group level or, or a national level, and it's all the same dynamics. Um, and, yeah, in the same way that we deflect from connection in a conversation, we deflect in relationships and we deflect. Um, if you really look at politics, it's really the problems we have like national debt, NHS, all that stuff is because of people don't want, will vote for the person that will make the decisions. So politicians avoid the big issues Um, passing the bark which is exactly the same as the reasons why relationships have difficulties which is the same as why we have personal difficulties Um, so when you look at our personal it's like our weight our health, our finances um, how we spend our time, all of that kind of like how we manage our time, all that kind of thing is the same as Um, everything so, um, so yeah, it's it's um, there's some good points, um, made there, Carl. Um, thank you. Um, okay, so thank you everyone for being here and taking part in this group conversation about conversations. Um, does anyone? have any thoughts, anything we haven't covered, anything we have covered that resonated or any thoughts about conversations before we go? Do
0: you, do you recommend any book or anything like that, or website,
3: blog?
2: Yes, um, yeah, specifically for what? Uh,
3: I guess for conversations.
2: Okay. Um, I would look at uh, Joe Hudson's View podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he where he goes, he's got the View framework, vulnerable, um, and, and like the first episode is vulnerable. Second is impartial, um, and empathy. Um, he's really good at um, coming to the uh, um, conversation. Um, good talk by Daniel Stillman. Has the has more of a structure uh, where he talks about designing conversations, um, <clears throat> and uh, Oscar Tromboli for deep listening, and um, also Diana Diana Michaud. Houghton uh, she wrote with some other people um, compassionate conversations
3: mm-hmm. I think um you earlier in the um, discourse do you um, that chart we talked about uh, one of the um, boxes was about um, the speed at which the conversation would would take place um speeding up or slowing down and yeah. i think yeah this this whole yes that whole yeah cadence and and, and rhythm i think that's something that we don't give we, we don't pay much attention to and um, the whole issue of modulation during a conversation and um It's a dance. Once again, it's a dance and it has, you know, its own beat and its own rhythm. And um, if you're out of tune, out of sync, you sometimes read the signals incorrectly. And I think we tend to think that a conversation is the spoken word but it's everything else that goes along. Just like that exercise that you did with looking into somebody's eyes, that changes a conversation. Uh, the words that are being said have a different meaning if I'm looking over your shoulder versus if I'm looking directly in your eyes or I'm just not looking at you at all. Um, the energy that comes from you, the you know, all of those things, and unfortunately, I think um some of us are better at it <laughs> at bringing the whole package together and let it be in sync than others are, and some of us are better at reading the signals than others are, and sometimes the conversations don't work. The intention is there that it should work, but it doesn't work because the elements are just out of alignment mm. and um some of it is learned behavior I, I don't think we should give up on you know that that, that misalignment but I think we all have to sort of look at ourselves and look at what's happening and learn how to get ourselves, you know, one can't be dancing um, soca music and you're actually doing, you know, the Viennese Wars, The other one is, I mean, they're just not speaking the same language, you know? Um, so it's, how do we, Carol <laughs> is laughing, how do we get in sync so that when we have a conversation in all its elements well i think it really th- it makes it it makes it you know it just
2: makes it fuller mm. it, it's really about why we don't is because we're already filled with what we want to say we've already come with an agenda with something what we want out of out of it and i think if you really look at the, the best conversations you didn't know like what you got out of it was not something that you could have ordered. So we go into conversations as if it's McDonald's. And if I press these, do this, do this, do this, I'll get this. Um, and really what people, um, the best conversations you don't know what you're going to get out of it. And it's, it's exploratory. Um, and so what came to my mind, um, first of all, um, There was uh, Daniel Stillman talked about in Good Talk. He talked about um, Amanda Palmer. Um, I've heard the name. I don't really know who she is, but um, um, apparently she came up with the, like with her husband. They were at dinner and she just started, she thought, oh, what if, you know, like when you're in primary school and you pass notes to each other. Um, And she just started writing her husband a note and they started writing back. So they have dinner conversations like writing notes like children because that's different um, by changing the communication. Um, But the real issue is that people come so much with what they want. And this is why I think dating is really difficult is because the conversations are, people are already filled with what they want. I'm just looking for this. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. I'm going to do someone if they've got that, that, that. And I think, I mean, recently, um, when you look at like there was that tragedy of that that Plymouth killer who just uh, went on a rampage, killed five people. Um, and I, obviously, we don't know the details of it, but what I did catch of it was he 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 was putting on social media like he was in in cell group of involuntary celibate. Um, so basically, he was frustrated because he couldn't get a girlfriend. Um, And there are so many men who are in like this red pill theory and men going their own way because their approach to women is so filled with, I want this response. I want her to sleep with me. I want her to, to love me. I want her to show me respect and admiration. But it's all about... What I'm coming in with, and what I want, and we we talked about it like you have to be open you have to if if there isn't space, you can't um you know that we talked about that that teach that, na nang um. Uh, listening to, to empty. Well, you have to like in human interaction. You can't go like I want this because that becomes control and manipulation. It has to be I want this. What do they want? Um, and so, it's really about aligning interests. We don't have to agree with everyone. But we have to align, Um, and what that means is is not not necessarily we're necessarily on the same wavelengths, but looking at the context that's big enough that we can include and see where people fall to. Um, So, when we look at the levels of depression, anxiety, and suicide, a lot of that is about a lack of connection. And the lack of connection is because we're not open to the connection because we're so filled with what we want. Um, and this is the thing of like Steve Jobs, when he um, first came out with the iPhone and the iPod, he said it, like most companies do focus research. And Henry Ford said, you know, if, if I, if you'd have asked people what they wanted, they'd have asked for a faster horse. But he knew what they were really looking for was uh, transportation, and it's because people are so literal. And in the same way, in relationships, we really don't know what we're looking for. We need to be open to the experience, and then when we have the experience, we grow into what we, what we know. Um. So, yeah, it's, it's that ability to be in the conversation without being too tied to our agenda. It's kind of a rambling answer. Um, Nicole?
5: Um, I think mine probably ties into that quite well, actually, in that I think um, people often need to drop assumptions as well, um, assuming... Where someone's going with something, where they're coming from, the perspective, and that kind of thing, and just being there, listening, trying to give an understanding. Um, I think people assume too much too often. I know that when I'm talking to people, um, sort of building up to something, and there'll straight away, we say, yeah, 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 this. That. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. You know, hear me out, type thing. Um, yeah, so I think, I think it probably comes under. I don't know. I'm guessing past experiences. It's like don't necessarily. Compare me to you know every other woman that you that you spoke to kind of thing, or every other person of this circumstance, because it might not be where I'm coming from. But also with the agenda that you're saying coming to it with your own agenda, or what you think you want to hear from that person, and that kind of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's it's a a lot of people talk about dating are they time wasters? What I really mean by time wasters is someone. um, because they jumped to a consideration, like, you know, like, oh, they're nuts, are oh, they um, this, they're that, um, without really knowing um, the details of it. It's,
4: yeah. Um, Janos. Actually, you now, when you said all this, it came something to my mind about these red pill things. This is not generally for the men's, just true. This is generally for the humankind, it means. When somebody says no for them, people become so rude sometimes, abusive, resentful. I just recently experienced that because I'm working in hospitality and we go through about hell of the uh, difficulties. But people in the door, they keep abusive. They're telling me after 20 years how to do my job, you know, because I'm saying I can't fit them in now. I was working literally with my sickness of my... Arms, you know, they don't need to know that shit. But guess what? They was abusive in the door because I said no. And people are just not realized when somebody say no. And I can't imagine how the women go through about that when they're actually rejecting one man's. I had situations where men went furious. And that's why they are afraid to say no physically, like simply just saying no, because they're afraid. How they react for that. And honestly, when I see these days the people how reacting, wow, it shook me. It shocked me. We are rude and abusive with others just because it's a no.
0: We don't even know the reason why. I, I think, though, for me, in customer service roles, um, a level of abuse can be had because the people are not well enough trained, they're giving you robotic answers, and they're also lying half the time that you have a right to speak to a manager to resolve a query, quite frankly, and they'll they'll be obstinate and say no, pretty much like a bouncer does at a nightclub if they want to, they won't let you in. It's not their venue. They, They have some level of power, but they're just blocking you, and they misuse that. So it can also be that, you know, yeah, people can get abusive and annoyed, but that's because somebody is essentially trolling them. They're being obstinate, they're blocking, um, and without due cause and reason, purely because they don't they're not well enough trained or they don't actually have the power to do that.
4: That's not true. I'm working seventeen hours a day. Seventeen hours, my chef as well, being serving four hundred customers. I got my own limit as the physical humankind to be. And when I sing 400 times, I have to say no. Do you think after 400 times, can I say nicely when people are acting 400 times rudely, do you think you can that much handle it after 400 times? Would you be handled if you approach 400 women and all of them will say no and telling you you are rubbish or whatever, you don't even know your job? I'm taking the pictures. I will make sure you fire tomorrow, because that's how people threatening these days. Ah. Each other.
0: Seventeen ah. hours, though—that doesn't. That, to be honest, that doesn't even really make sense. How do you even have a shower or anything? You're you're at work seventeen hours a day.
4: Sometimes I am, okay, as the manager, because I'm that much short-staffed. Yesterday was only my duty manager and myself, because seven people called sick because of the bloody self-isolation. Seven. I literally was very close to close my restaurants, but I'm not allowed because my director saying, "No, you got 100 hours there. You can use that." So that's how I get treatment. You know. So how you wish to me after for the customer after 400, 700 times treating the same way, but similar happening. What I see, people got from both side pressure. Women as well when they try mm-hmm. to say yes or no for the men's and opposite as well
0: the two the two worlds are completely different one is a paid service hospitality so you are you know you're effectively giving somebody money to look after you and in a way of speaking even if it's a telephone advisor at amazon they are there to ensure that uh, you know you get access to their service and business so there needs to be a level of courtesy and if things go wrong then individuals need to be trained well enough to be able to handle that because people are annoyed if they've paid for an experience or paid for a service. Or their manager's fire.
4: Yeah, but they're not paying. They're not paying because I can't let them in. It's just simply. Uh, They're not even paying. But can you imagine how they're causing stress for my team if that's people coming in? And similar what the ladies feel, why are they saying for that means never again? Because that's how we are as the humans sometimes. Mm. We are very badly behaving for other people who's saying no, who's not accomplishing our dream. As Rob was saying, that's the red pill, basically.
2: Hmm. I, I, I think um, what comes to mind when Carl was talking is things I've experienced. For example, if you are, say, like this a software or some, you you call some kind of um, customer support and they've been given scripts and you, you try and get someone's help and they just give you the script, and you go, no, no, no. Look, I've just said that, um, and they just give you the same script, um, which is another way of of trying to avoid um, the. So so I I think I'm not sure um, what Carl meant, but I think that's a different type of customer service. Um, But all of it is about all of it really is about not really not really connecting. It's about avoiding connection, because if you think about what makes customer service, it's about now You get um, obviously. And I think that there is a level of entitlement which creates this. Way that people think that they can treat people, Um, you know, like I'm paying so I can treat you like scum. But all of it is about the inability, um, it's the inability to connect. Um, and part of what the industrial model, one, once we moved to service business, what that became was you sell your personality um, for. You know, like so, like if you're in a hospitality or if you're in some kind of service business, what your employer is trying to get is your personality and sell that personality, um, so that it's friends. So, like, it's, it's it's kind of like that that fake friendliness thing that when you go into McDonald's or something, they go hey, have a good day and, and or supermarket or something, um, but. That's yeah, so at the core of it, I think it's about we're not really like bad customer service is when we feel someone doesn't care. Like when we try, we call a support thing and they go, Well, okay, well, have you tried it on? and you've already told them 10 times that you've been through everything, um, and but they've got this checklist, um. And what it is, is you don't feel that someone's listening to you. Um, So I think, I think there's two sides of it. There's the side that Janos is talking about of these unreasonable people that come in of so much, I want this. And like he's, he's drawn the analogy to, this is what women are facing on dating sites where there's so much pressure. Um, They're overwhelmed. Like A popular woman with loads of messages is overwhelmed that she can't keep up with the messages. And yet these men uh, feel entitled um, to a response and to sex oftentimes. Um, And, yeah, so it's, it's about... It's a childish entitlement where we've been kind of talk that paying money or something like that entitles you to, um, something. Um, and, and then it's all got mixed up with human. Um, like when we've sold our personalities, um, so there's kind of fake interactions. Uh,
3: Sandra, but one can also look at um, a, a man who has invited a woman out to, say, dinner. And because he has paid for the meal, you know, he expects certain services in return. And when he's not forthcoming, he's abusive. It's happened to me where, you know, and it's like, so what did you expect was the question that was asked of me when I point blank refused. And it's somebody who ought to know better. You know, that's why I was out with them in the first place because this was a person who was in a very responsible job and would have had a lot of people genuflecting to him. And he thought that it was his right to expect that of me for having invited me out to dinner and you know that and that and then they, be, they become abusive and rude mm. because you're not complying
2: yeah, um, what comes to mind when you say that is really the word i was i was i was trying grappling for is it's the difference between the what breaks connection is when we become transactional and it's feeling that you can buy someone dinner and it entitles you to sleep with them. It's um, feeling that you are a customer, and so therefore you should be. Um, the red carpet should be laid out for you. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 transactional, and it is. It, the origins of it are really in in slavery, which and slavery is really that someone is less than we are. And there's this whole human orientation to um, to slant the world so that we are slightly better than than others. Um, Veronique.
1: yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I feel that everything is transactional. It looks like everything is in every way, even when you're working or you're offering something. And so that's why, I mean, I feel really uncomfortable about this. You know, even, even if I'm going to go on a date, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I, I need to pay for this. Is it going to be so expensive, you know, but, but, but I'm already looking at the payment. I'm looking at the payment and every time I have a, 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 a communication, an internal communication, and if somebody does something good for me, automatically I think, how much is that going to cost me in the future? And it stops me from living. It literally stops me from, from wanting anything because I know there's a payment. It's like this in our society. We have to pay for everything. If it's not right now, it's going to be next week or next year or with something else. It's, 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 it's impossible to live like this, but that's how I really feel. Oh,
0: hmm. that's horrible. I could never... I, I, yeah, I, I don't... I couldn't think that way. Yeah. Um, It it was interesting when you did say everything's transactional because the root of the word relationship, I always think of the word relay, like a relay race with a baton, what goes backwards and forwards. So without being too semantical, it is what goes backwards. And and that's a form of transaction, isn't it? I haven't looked up the uh, entire dictionary definition of transaction. Um, but I, I guess trans movement action, um, something like that. So, with this in mind, do we have to set? Rob, are you saying that we shouldn't have principles mm-hmm. and some level of reasonable? Reasonable. Expectations about transactions, meaning that should we go on a date and let somebody spit in our face and say, Oh, it's okay, I don't have any expectations here, and I'm just going to let it unfold. <laughs> I mean, at, at what point do we, you know, just have such an openness? Whereas, what if we have a series of dates and, and that none of them are really? Uh, Having any positive effect on us, I'm not sure if I'm being am I being clear here. on what I'm saying is that you, you you're are saying, you're saying that we shouldn't come in with prerequisites. But I actually feel that doesn't experience give us those in a good way. Not so much like Veronique's. From that's that's torture. I'm afraid I couldn't I couldn't live that way. But um, hmm. yeah, what, what are
2: you saying, Rob? Um, okay, so life is transaction. Um, Relationships are transactional, um, but it's what's the transaction. So, um, so it's the depth of transaction because in life, there are currencies. So money is a currency. Attention is a currency. Um, status is a currency. Uh, intelligence is a currency. Beauty is a currency. So what we energy, health, these are all currencies. So what we're doing is we're exchanging one for, for others. So we exchange time, energy for money when we go to work. So that's a transaction. Um, but so no, you don't go in and accept whatever someone has, gives you. But it's you have um, you have those principles and values that you have are what determine um, where the where the interaction you have is going to fall. So um, you go in like that's that's how you navigate from your from what's important to you from your values, those kind of things, and that's where you determine where it goes because in the when you're open and there's like a, a so when i'm I'm gonna distinguish between a pure transaction and a so I'd say a, a pure transaction is one where you're open and you're just exploratory seeing what comes up. And so what happens then, if, if you think of like what comes to mind when I'm trying to picture it is a landscape. And it's like where, where the water settles, wherever the water settles is, is like where it's going to fall. Um, so you go into a, into an interaction like a date, um, and you see where where it falls, and it may be here, and it's a nice like pool that fits in with your landscape, or it may be just this muddy puddle that doesn't fit in. So, without going too far into the analogy, um, the exploratory is: does it match your values? Is there an alignment? Are you on the same wavelength? Um, so that's so that's what what really the, the date is 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 serving whereabouts you are and do you like the person um, can you get on All right so then there's the issue of transaction um, a pure transaction is a human transaction i'm going to give you my my time and my attention um and I'm going to get back something human. Whereas when it's money or a dinner that's been bought, that's, um, that's a man-made currency. So connection is built with human, like pure human currency. So like if you're talking about primary, so attention energy, love, um, affection, respect, they're pure human currencies. Now, if you get, say, someone like who's got a sugar daddy relationship, um, someone who's in a relationship for the money, you're mixing currencies. So you've got pure human currencies of wanting love, uh, affection, that kind of thing in exchange for money. Um, If I'm going to buy you dinner and get sex, that you've mixed currencies. So you're you're looking for a pure human currency that you've bought in the same way, like service hospitality industry is. So it's kind of a Marxist um, sociologist talked about what's happened in, in service is, you know, like, when you go into, where is it they say, like the supermarkets in America is have a nice day to everyone and it's kind of fake. Um, And so what's happened is they've, like, people who tele-sales, when they're like, oh, how are you? How's your day going? It's fake. And you know it's fake because they don't care about you and they just, it's the preamble to their pitch. Um, And so what's happened is they have commercialized personality and connection. Um, And it comes across as fake because it's a mixed meta. It's a mixed transaction. Does that make sense?
4: It is true.
3: And also, I think you can learn to pick up from someone on a date whether they're really interested in having a conversation to get to know you, rather than they are going through a ritual to get to the end point of the reward that they expect in return for an evening spent listening to you and giving you all of whatever. Okay, and yeah, now it's true. And you're being indulged. You can tell when somebody is doing having an evening and they're actually enjoying your company for what it's worth versus one that is performing a ritual to, for the conquest, so to speak, mm. at the end of, of, of the day. And you, you can tell.
2: Mm. And, and it's, it, it, what comes to mind there is also, um, you know, like in dating, there's all these pick up artists of do this, do this, do this, do this um, to get the girl um and yes yeah, so it's it's so what happens is, again is you have um a fake relationship because you've created this persona which can get the girl but what's behind it um and so i really like Neil Strauss's journey in that of talking about how he how he in the game, he talked about how he was able to get go from unconfident to get goals, and then in the truth, he talked about like the dark side of that and what do you do when you've got them, um, and it, how it's not fulfilling, it's not enough. Uh, Janos,
4: yeah, basically what makes me now this realize it's we are like to be fixated when we are focusing too much in the end of the results, be fixated. So like somebody described it for me like that. You got five do- doors, four of them open, only one of them closed. What you will do? You will fix it, which is closed. Guess what? So plenty of the woman's behind those doors who's waiting for you, but you're just only focusing on it, but you can't get it. And you get frustrated. And that's how we do try to do with other people as well. What we do this actually we creating people we're making people feel like we wanted them to change the way how we want it, we put them in the cage, we put them in the box. So why this relation never will work? Because you're not accepting the person who they are. You got these ideal visions, how should be ideal partner? Guess what? There is no bloody ideal partner. You create it. As I keep saying, there is no good stuff. You create them, you make them to work together. There is a long time journey, but we all want straight away the results. We want the cake straight away, but there is no cake. You have to make that cake first to enjoy after the cake.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that can happen. People can invest you know in, in a false uh, conceptual delusion of somebody but for me the fundamentals is um it is a cliche thing but just being good to each other you know I mean I'm, I might be a little bit over the top by opening doors and you know, <laughs> doing different things but that's really what it comes down to being good you know being sort of conscientious and a bit caring and Perhaps when you deliver communication, just be a little bit sensitive so as maybe not to hurt their feelings. I'm not saying to be dishonest, but just some level of that, which the world doesn't owe us, does it? You know, as we know, if uh, as Janos knows, he's getting shit off his customers. The world will not treat you like that. So if we can have somebody who will just just be good to, to you, you know, in, in a kind way, and that includes also, not that doesn't mean being polite also, but it, it means... Maybe not accepting things if you think, hey no no no, you, you keep that. Don't don't go spending your money on that or something or you know, so there's that that to me is is more more relevant than the kind of delusion of a perfect partner. You know, somebody who's good to you goes a long way. Um Yeah. I, I think fixation is
2: it is really what we do as humans, we fixate on things. And, it, and it's why, um, so if you, if you look at businesses like Blockbusters, um, we're up, offered the opportunity to buy Netflix, like really cheap. Um, and they were like, nah, people are always going go to want um, to go to the video store, no one's going to watch them online. Um, And blockbusters are gone. And there's a book that talks about like how PayPal was something completely different. eBay was something completely different. Instagram, all of the big companies we know now started off as something very different. Um, And the ones that fixate on, I know my path are the ones that don't make it because there's something flawed in your vision to start with. Um, And so it's, part of the formula for success is to let go of your fixation. Um, And what you really want is not what you think you want at the start. And that's so true in relationships. Like if everyone could get there, there's some celebrity that says, I I wish everyone could be famous um, and be a a famous star because they'd soon see it's not what they really want. Um, And then the same in relationships, if everyone could get, Partner, they think they want. Um, they'd soon find that's not what they want. Um, so yeah, yeah, fixation is um, and the openness. And I really, I really think conversations are the way that we reveal our fixations, let go of what we believe that isn't true. The some assum- someone brought up the assumptions. That's it, a lot of it is our assumptions that we think are true that aren't um and yeah the ability to what we really want is the pure what i talked about the pure transactions and the money and things like that are secondary transact secondary currencies like we have money to buy happiness we have money to buy time we have money to buy things, to make us happy, to impress people, all of these things. But it's the primary currency we really want. And connection really comes in those. And that we have to get the primary currencies from people. And conversations is the way that we have the conduit to form those connections.
4: Let me add one more thing for that. What recently I realized and how I discard Everybody wanted chocolate without calories. So what I mean behind this, everyone to be that, but they're not willingness to do the job for it. They're not willingness to put the shit there. To 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 work for it, to do the action, to be proactive, to do the things. They just simply wanted the chocolate without calories. That's how I can describe it. They want to have a million pounds, but what they do for it? They're just crying every single day. And that's the drama. Personality insight. Because we all having that. I too having. I think we all having. That's a human nature. That's our human body, mind doing. That's part of it. Great. But to express it and continuously let it run, that's a huge difference. That's when you become responsible for your own action. You own it. You're not letting that program to run it. What I learned last year, the word responsibility, that's make me the self-realizations. Otherwise, it will all the time just running the same program and I will just stay in one place. One of
3: the things that I think we are forgetting is that um, with the disnification of romance and relationships, it's that people don't make you happy and fulfilled That's your job for you. And if you can't work on yourself to make yourself a better person, then nobody else can do that. So having this list of all these things and attributes that you're looking for in somebody, it's to enhance your relationship and and fulfill it and make it better for both of you. But it can't make you any different to who you really are. That's your job. That's who you 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 need to fix yourself. You need, you know, and, and I think we have lost the plot wherein we think where somebody says, you complete me. I mean, in the movies, you complete me, my rear end. I mean, what the hell does that mean? I am complete already. I mean, you know, warts and odd. OK, <laughs> I'm serious. I am me. OK, yes, you can bring out certain attributes in me which are nice. You know, in other words, I love a good laugh and you love a good laugh. And so we have lots of good laughs and, you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And there's that synergy. But essentially, it's not your responsibility to create a better version of me or a newer version or a lesser version of me or whatever it may be i am me mm. and i think and i think that's why some people are so frustrated because they are not putting in the work they think that somebody will make it for them mm. And so they they abuse you and they come at you with all kinds of aggression and a thing and whatever. And, oh, I'm not happy and, oh, I'm not fulfilled. And why is it that they are not? I think
2: one of the problems of capitalism is that we've had about hundreds, thirty, hundred and fifty 130, 150 years of advertising um, and marketing And that has been um, marketing to like people's hopes of a magic pill. Um, You know, going back from Coca-Cola, which was supposed to be a miraculous health drink with cocaine, um, to um, Tinder, which is supposed to get you a hookup. Um, And there's this innate natural thing that we don't actually want to do the work. Like Gallant says, all the things that we dream of just involve a a price and it means sacrifice and dedication and time and and that. But we want, everyone wants to be the author without writing the book. They want to be the pop star without the years putting in. They want to be the the Olympic gold medalist without the 5am training. Um so, yeah, it's it's um, and then all of the great um commercial successes, like if we look at why we have diamond engagement rings from which is a de Beers, um, de Beers marketing success, um to why do we pay more for everything to do with weddings? just because of marketing and the their ability to use pressure. Why do parents have to pay more for new babies? Because you're a bad parent if you don't. Um, pets, like what people pay on pets. Um, uh, I had another one in mind. Like, why are we paying so much for cars? that are about, or clothes, when we can buy a clothes a t-shirt in Primark for like £2, £3, and yet people are paying £300. Um, and, oh yeah, like, why is breakfast? You know, like, I grew up um, when my mum, like, I didn't, I never really liked eating in the morning, and I was always late being up. And mum was like, oh, you got to have breakfast. This is the most important meal of the day. It's only recently I, I learned uh, that phrase, the breakfast being the most important meal of the day, not only is it a lie, because um, it actually isn't, there is no harm in, in missing and fasting, um, but it actually comes about from a cereal manufacturer's advertising campaign in about the 30s or the 40s, or the 50s of breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And it was to sell some sugary shit that does no one any good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's – the problem of capitalism is it capitalises on our weaknesses. Um, and I saw something a headline on the news of um, like free gambling has, has uh, created gambling problems in um, lockdown. Um, and it is wherever you can make money out of – People's weaknesses, people's needs, people's desires or fears—that's um, when money is made. Um, so, so the, the opposite of that is really just to summarise is conversations. Um, I think what we really want in life, what we really value, is the pure currencies of time, attention, love, affection, respect, um, feeling valued. Um, But so often we try to shortcut it and we try to buy it. Um, And I think that's really the power of conversation, is that conversation can reveal the gaps in our thinking. It can help us project where we're going and it can help us learn from each other and share who we are so we can really be seen, so we can really be understood and really be loved.
3: So the other word to add to that is honest. Mm. Honest conversations.
4: Yeah. I would call it a different way. It's more about communication, because these days what we do We only communicate to reply. Nothing else we do, we just reply. But when you start understanding from where that's coming, who they are, that's when you start connecting. That's when you communicate. That's a real communication we don't do as the humans. We're just sending so much information out there these days to get the other person so naked and saying, OK, I'm out, it's enough.
2: okay <clears throat> right well thank you everyone for this collection of communications and conversations um, so I think it's Art of Relating next week isn't it oh great so Anyway, well, have a have a good week, everyone. Um, Have good conversations. (laughs) See you next week. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Bye. Thank you.